I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design with photographer, artist, and sculptor, Nicole Landau. Nicole Landau describes herself as a contemporary multimedia artist working in photography and monumental illuminated sculpture. Succinct, right? But incomplete. I think we all work so hard to define ourselves for social media, knowing that we have such limited time to try to explain who we are and what we do. This is the primary reason why I dislike social media as much as I do, but also recognize that it's part of our lives, both social and professional. But that's also the main reason why I love doing this podcast and speaking with creatives like Nicole in a long format conversation. It gives both guest and myself an opportunity to meander a bit, take some time to really explore each other and share fully composed thoughts. Thoughts about the work, thoughts about the journey, thoughts about the business. Nicole is incredibly talented, and I think you will appreciate all of the detail in the following conversation. Thank you for listening and subscribing to Convo by Design, a podcast for the design and architecture trade, inside stories, and in-depth conversations with those shaping the industry. If you are not already doing so, please subscribe to the podcast. You will find Convo by Design everywhere you find your favorite shows, like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and designnetwork.org. Convo by Design is presented by Walker Zanger, an incredible partner in design. The show is also supported by Thermosol, another design partner who is always looking to help designers and architects do their best work. For more information on both of these amazing partners, as well as this week's guest, you will find direct links in the show notes. Convo by Design is presented by Walker Zenger, a progressive brand that was built on a promise to provide designers, architects, and homeowners with the right materials to do their very best work. That promise is fulfilled every day through a commitment to provide the best ceramic, glass, stone, porcelain, and concrete surfaces and finishes. But it's more than that. Walker Zanger believes strongly in serving the trade with a trade program that makes the specifying process simple with the support you need. They've been staunch supporters of the trade since 1952. In 2020, I launched a series in partnership with Walker Zenger called The Showroom. This intimate interview series showcases some of the very best creatives in the business today. Please join us live or catch every episode recorded so you can enjoy it on your schedule. Walker Zenger is on the cutting edge of design featuring products for every style and architectural feel you can create. So check out any of their showrooms across the country or shop online. WalkerZenger.com we had gotten into, I'm going to back up a second and we're going to, I want to talk about your work. I want to talk about the universe sculpture. And we actually started with this idea of string theory, which is, you know, deep physics. Um, and here's, here's where I'm going with this. We're talking about the work, but we're also talking about the inspiration. And oftentimes I will hear artists talk to me about what their inspiration was, where they got the, you know, I was, I was in Paris or I was in Italy or I was at the Louvre and I saw this and it made me feel this way. To have string theory be the basis for your inspiration as it relates to an artistic endeavor is really fascinating to me. So with that, I think 
Welcome to the podcast. I'm, I'm going to do this a little differently. Normally, what I like to do with guests is I'll kind of start off with them and the work kind of comes after. With you, I want to actually start because I think this says a lot about you. Um, I want to start with the inspiration for universe. I want to talk about sort of why you feel the way you do about string, string theory and, and maybe a, a primer for those not familiar with it. Okay, sure. I would, I would love to tell you. So uh, let me give you kind of a background on what I understand as an artist about string theory. Well, so Einstein, through you know, his whole life and through the, in, to the very end of his life, was trying to come up with a theory of everything that would unite all the forces in the universe into one theory. And um, string theory kind of takes off from that point and does so, it unites all the forces and does it in terms of music. So, uh, and they, they say that everything in the universe is a vibration and comes from a vibrating string. So where they thought, you see, you, you think a subatomic particle is that, you know, you see it as like a tiny little dot. Now they say it's actually a vibrating string and those vibrating strings correspond to musical notes. So where the Greeks said the only paradigm rich enough to explain the universe is music. In this case, they were absolutely right. And so, they say, you know, since everything's from a vibration and from music, they say that physics is a harmony of these vibrating strings and the universe and creation is the symphony of vibrating strings, a universe or one song. And so this kind of sparked the inspiration for my sculpture because I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if people came together in this one song of the universe and through vibration, whether it was singing or talking or an orchestra playing, you know, a symphony to it, or the ambient sound of waves crashing around it, or movement through um, a subway station. This would contribute to um, the lighting of my sculpture. So the lighting and the color of my sculpture is kind of this synesthesia where you can see um, where you can see music or hear light or color. And so my, my sculpture will progressively and organically um, light up in response to this kind of participatory observation. I love this. And it reminds me of a conversation I had a couple years ago, actually, with, a, with an architect. Um, the architect, his name's Anthony Poon. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's... Of course, I met you, Anthony. Yes. So I love Anthony. And he and I were talking, this is a couple of years ago, and Anthony being a musician, we got into this, this conversation. I, I, I love music. And in a previous life, I would interview jazz musicians when they came through LA uh, who were playing at the Playboy Jazz Festival annually at the Hollywood Bowl. And I, I was talking to Wayne Shorter, legendary jazz icon. And we got into this conversation from music to space aliens. And it was, it was this natural transition. I was, I was telling Anthony this story and his, he and I got into this conversation that went from architecture to music to different ideas about architecture. Like if you could craft a, a building, you could craft a structure that smelled a certain way or that sounded a certain way, or that made you feel a certain way based on 
reactions from your other senses aside from just sight, right? What are the possibilities that, that, that one, what could one do with, with that? It was a really interesting conversation. I'm reminded of that because I find myself thinking that same way now as we're talking about art as, you know, the physical manifestation of something greater, right? When you, when you think of everything as a vibration, uh, you know, everything gives off a certain energy and a feel. So I, I don't think that that's kind of, I don't think that that is a very far idea. I mean, I feel it's, it's present in everything that we do and everything we look at, whether it's art or architecture. And of course, architecture is always an inspiration for me because my background is in architecture you know, before I became an artist, but um, I always look for that emotion and that feeling that comes off of whether it's art or architecture or interior design even, I mean, right? There's, some, there's something to it. So backing up a second, you got your degree in architecture at Colorado. Yes. And I'm, I'm curious how you go from architecture to being an artist. I see the connection. I, I do. But you, you got the degree, you did the work. And I've met other architects who have gotten into art. I, I just, how, how was that? How did that journey take place for you? Well, I think it probably started, I, when, when I was growing up, I wasn't allowed to take any art classes. <laughs> I had to have kind of move into something that was a career. And I guess art, my parents, even though they were collectors, they didn't see it as a career, but architecture could be seen as a career. And I thought that it was a good balance because there's the artistic side of being an architect. And then I'm kind of, I feel very right brain and left brain. I really love the, um, you know, science and mathematics and um, engineering and things like that. So I thought it was a good balance. And, and also as an artist, you can do anything, absolutely anything in the world. And there is no limit. But as an architect, I thought I felt a little more grounded because you actually have to design a building or if you're a furniture designer, you have to be able to sit in the chair. And um, so I thought that it was kind of, uh, it was less daunting of a career. When I, when I actually went and did it, I did work in construction management and I worked for a builder in Colorado. And, uh, but I never, I love the artistic side of it, but not the actual corporate, you know, world of it. And, um, and then I just made a decision one day that I was going to be an artist and people were, you know, I started creating art for myself and my friends started asking to buy it. And then I got into little shows and then I got representation in, you know, some galleries. I don't know, it just making that decision and choice uh, just allowed me to do what I love, which is really the artistic side of it. And even in, even when I was studying architecture, I, um, my instructors would say that I would lead the class in my presentation because I was so into the drawing part of it or, and you know, back then we didn't have AutoCAD. I don't want to date myself, but <laughs> AutoCAD was just coming out. And uh, yeah, it was an elective at that point. Imagine that. 
Yeah, imagine that, which is which is really interesting too, because it, it makes you wonder what tools will be available in five years from now, 10 years from now that aren't available now. But I want to back up a second and and kind of drill down into the journey itself because you're I love how seamlessly and easy you make the journey. Well, I went to school and I got my degree in architecture and I did this and then I sold some pieces to some friends and then I got some show. It's you make it sound so easy. It's it's not that easy. Um and I think with with any artistic endeavor, be it interior design, architecture, or art, there are certain challenges that creators face. And I'm curious if you can just go into a little bit more detail as far as what the journey was like, maybe add a few more milestones in there, because I think that that's kind of, you know, after college, after you're working in the business of architecture, you know, you're doing project management or you're, you're on-site construction, um, management. When did the switch flip? When did you when did you decide? Because that's a that's not something that you really do on a as a hobby or on a lark. Okay, well let me let me start from the beginning then. So I started just creating art for myself. I I couldn't afford to just buy art that I liked. And so I thought, let me just make it for myself. And like I said, I was putting it up on my wall. And uh, sorry, let me stop you. What was the what was the medium of choice? You know, I it's kind of interesting because, of course, I knew how to draw and draft and things like that. But for some reason, I chose to work with my um, camera. And I, I don't I don't even think of myself so much as a photographer. Um, I think of myself as an artist in mixed media and the the camera is a tool for me to come up with my palette and um, textures and you know and then working you know on the computer that creates my composition and even though it looks very painterly people you know describe it as looking like a painting or watercolor when they find out it's it's photography based they're often surprised so yeah, so I was doing that. And then one of my friends came over and said, oh, my friend does this group show of emerging artists, you should apply. And I said, okay, sure, I'll do it. So I applied, I got in. I, I probably profited $150 in that first show. And I was like, oh, made it, you know what I mean? <laughs> and there was a uh, gentleman that was walking through, uh, uh, Luke Lustemaker. I don't know if you know of him, He's, he was kind of, a well-known artist in Los Angeles. And, um, and he was walking through critiquing all the emerging artists. And he says, I really like what Nicole's doing, but um, you know, I wanna see what she's gonna do next. And so he kind of became a, a mentor for me. And um, when, uh, so I did, I was like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna, so I applied to another show and my analytical side of me it was like, if I could just sell X amount of pieces in this next show. And sure enough, I had a great show. I, I sold uh, $12,000 worth of art in that second show, which was a lot of money, you know, 17 years ago for me, because, you know, I could live on that for six months. And uh, yeah. And so then uh, I met, there was like a, a showroom manager from the PDC that was walking through and he uh, he liked my art, and so he asked me to show um, at that showroom. And um, Luke, uh, he inspired me. He says, gather your army of um, interior designers and art consultants, and those will be the people who will sell for you. And sure enough, like I could parlay my um, background in, in corporate 
in the corporate corporate world into marketing myself. So I quietly was just making art and cold calling art consultants and interior designers. And, uh, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. And of course, you know, there's ups and downs and definitely things that I learned along the way. And I've switched, you know, fabricators and framers over the years and, and, uh, yeah, so it is, uh, yeah, it's definitely been a process and I've, I've learned a lot. And then also just becoming, uh, more involved with the world of art, you know, until, until I met cold called Wendy Posner of Posner Fine Art, who. Love Wendy. I love Wendy. She's awesome. <laughs> she is awesome. And I was trying to expand my reach around, uh, you know, past just talking to Los Angeles and California art consultants. And I cold called her and she lives five blocks from me. <laughs> and she and I have become great friends. She's representing me on the sculpture and she has really been a mentor to me as well and has really pushed my envelope, you know, moving from my regular photography based art into my sculpture. She definitely inspired me and, um, and then introduced me to people in the art world. I mean, I seriously was just operating out of my little apartment selling art <laughs> until I met her. Like I didn't have that involvement before her. Yeah, here's what's interesting too. Really fascinating because the advice you got to gather your army, very poignant, very true. And just in in the in the few you know in the thirty minutes that that we've been we've been chatting, you know, Anthony Poon is a mutual connection. Wendy Posner is a, is a mutual connection. These are really these are really interesting people, and you know what's you know it's I I kind of want to drill down on the gathering your army idea because I'm I'm big on collaborations. I'm really big on partnerships. And in the eight years I've been doing the podcast, that's something that continues to come up in my, my career before what I do now in broadcast and radio. It was all about connections. It was all about the context. It was all about the people that you knew who could introduce you to the, to the next opportunity. But at the same time, I feel like there's two, two kinds of connectivity. There's the connectivity, what can you do for me and what can I do for you? And there's the connectivity where people just kind of gravitate towards each other. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a little esoteric here, but vibrate off the same string. <laughs> right. You know exactly. what I mean? Yeah, there's definitely a synchronicity. And there's when you put that energy out into that quantum field, if we're going back to science, it is going to be returned to you in some way. And I feel that, um, you know, my decision and my just, you know, I, you know, even with this sculpture, I mean, this was kind of my second leap of faith because the first leap of faith was quitting my job you know, in, you know, construction project management that I didn't love and just deciding that I was going to be an artist. I, I don't even know how, I don't even know how I made that choice. And then, um, and then now just doing the sculpture, which is way out of, I mean, for me, I can see the progression. I mean, it's architectural, you know, there, there is that connection. My work itself, um, 
I, I remember when um, Peter Frank, who's an art critic, when he wrote about my, um, my art, he said that my art was rooted in structure and rhythm and sensuality. And I think that, uh, I don't know how he predicted that my sculptures would also be the same way, but I feel that you know, my, my sculpture is very, um, you know, if I, if I would describe the, you know, to describe the sculpture as you walk through it, there's kind of like this uh, kind of bones that have kind of been unearthed. I wanted to, it to look like it was, um, it had come from nature. And then um, the movement of the, the, the bones are kind of that interpretation of a vibration and movement. And then, um, and, or like the reflection of the base, the base is, is a polished metal and it reflects, it's a mirror reflection of whoever is standing inside of it. So I thought it would be very beautiful for that to be, you become part of the creation, you're a reflection of the universe around you as you're um, walking into the piece. And so, um, so yeah, I feel like there is, again, that structure, that architectural feel to the piece and, um, and that rhythm and sensuality because it has that organic shape to it. Something really interesting. So when, when I first saw this piece, we were getting ready to talk. One of the first things that really struck me was how primal it felt to me. As I, I saw it as, as a, a rib cage of a, of, a, of a giant being of some sort that was half earthed and half unearthed. And I wasn't, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes we all tend to question ourselves. And one of the things I never want to do when working with any creative is kind of overanalyze and put my own opinion and my own spin on something, because the last thing I'd ever want to do is, in, you know, unintentionally, if I want to insult somebody, I'll do it intentionally, but <laughs> to unintentionally insult somebody. It's like, what do you mean a rib cage? How can you say that? It, you know, that's, this is, this is art and it's not supposed to look like that. And it, you know, it's, it's more of a, it's more of an elegant concept, but it's really, I find it really interesting how you described exactly the way that I was seeing it. You know, it is a, it is a very elegant, but still organic piece. Um, so, you know, if that was the goal, I think you absolutely nailed it. But I, I just find it fascinating how you're describing something in the way that I'm seeing it. But I, I hadn't told you that yet. Well, I don't know. I just want it to feel as if it's part of creation in some way. And then, um, and then also some of the architects that inspire me, um, you know, Santiago Calatrava, his his architecture is very bone-like and that is um you know although his is more engineered and it's structurally based it's still a uh you know you walk into it you feel like it's it's part of it's it comes from an animal it comes from nature and that's part of the beauty from it is that abstraction of it and then uh you know other you know and you know and then just the light and the dark and the transition of, um, you know, different elements in the, in the piece, you know, a lot of that comes from, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, um, Brozzi Vieja, Viega. They're one of my favorite architects and there's something that is, uh, 
the, their play of light and dark and um, lighting in their architecture is uh, is absolutely beautiful to me. And there's a sensuality of some um, on how you enter the buildings. There's a feeling of just their structure, even though it's very abstract and can be very brutalistic in some ways. They their entrances into the building and how it pulls you in as a sense of entrance. And all of these different things are inspiring my art as well. And it's it's really funny too that you mention uh, Santiago Calatrava because if you look uh, just above my left shoulder, uh, you will see the Sundial Bridge in Redding, California, which is which is one of his. I'm a I'm a huge fan of the oh. of the work, and um, it, I, I see that I, that that makes sense. I'm curious. Backing up a second, taking a chance from being an architect to being an artist, it's not a big stretch until you make that financial decision. It's a, it's a, it's a big decision. It's a, it's a big risk. And then you do it again, going primarily from photography to sculpture. Not that you can't go back to photography or that you can't remain in photography or that you can't, you can't do both. Did you view this as a risk uh, a calculated risk or just a, a decision that you had to make? I didn't, I didn't view it as either. I actually viewed it as I have to do this. It was an inspiration and I needed to, I needed to realize it. I wanted to come up with, um, you know, where my regular art is abstract expressionism and it's, I, you know, I, I think my work is seen, it has a calm, serene, but large presence to it in, in a room. And, you know, I was studying texture and color and all of those things, but I wanted to create a piece of art where the concept was um, stronger than abstract expressionism in some ways. And so I was exploring what, what is my inspirations, where do my inspirations come from? What gets me really excited about, uh, you know, just in life in general? This, and string theory actually touched into both spirituality and science and kind of unites both of those together, which I thought was, was very interesting. And uh, so, yeah, so this was just something that I started on and I couldn't stop. It became kind of an obsession. Um, you know, understanding the string theory to a certain extent, how was I going to interpret that into my art? How is it going to be visualized? And then the whole process of deciding what material I would work in also, that became an obsession too, where I was, um, I, I, I'm not even quite sure how I chose to um, work with light and color. But uh, then, then just the research that went into that as well became the next obsession. And I'm very, like, I'm just a very determined person. I just thought I have to figure this out. I want to know how it works. And then, you know, and then again, back to Wendy, she was really supportive. She loved my concept and she was excited about it. And as I started to realize it, um, you know, the visualization of it, she, um, you know, and then also, you know, as we presented it, people seemed really enthusiastic. They could relate to it. You know, given that it is the theory of everything, someone will, <laughs> someone, someone will find something to relate to. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yeah, it was just more of an obsession. And, uh, and now it's a year and a half later. 
and um you know, we're presenting the concept and we found a fabricator. The fabricator that we're using on this piece is um, Las Vite. They're a Czech glass um, manufacturer and fabricator. And they do the most beautiful pieces of um, both sculpture and chandeliers, but the chandeliers themselves are very sculptural and organic in the feel. Absolutely um, beautiful. That was one thing too, as I'm, I'm kind of working in this luxury, you know, field with interior designers. And I needed someone as I was doing this fabrication, you know, it's, it's too big to fit in my garage. <laughs> I can't work on it in my garage. It's, it's only 28 feet long. And uh, so we needed a fabricator to, you know, consult on it. And Las Vied has been amazing to collaborate with. Going back to your collaborations, right? And um, my second sculpture that I'm working on now is, I don't, I don't think you have any visuals of that. Which one? What's um, it called? It's called? It's called the Oculus, but we haven't, it hasn't been pub published yet. And oh, so exciting. Okay. So, so you know what, I, I, I'm cool not having any visuals of it. Walk me through it. Okay. Well, this one is um, kind of continues my exploration of, of, of light and string theory, but it does so um, by using an abstraction of a mushroom. And the mushroom, I chose a mushroom, not only because the, the, this mushroom was incredible. It's a bride's scale mushroom. It's kind of, it's kind of a netting of a uh, neon color at sometimes. And uh, so I chose the mushroom because mushrooms are kind of, fungi is the mother of everything in the earth. And the mycelium network below the earth is actually a communication between trees and they can exchange nutrients and, um, and, you know, animals are, are living off of it. And it's kind of the super information highway below the, um, below the earth. When you're in the forest, if you one step of it, there's 300, can't remember, it's probably 300 feet of mycelium network under each one of your steps. And so I thought this is all about the same thing, that connection in that one song of the universe. Here it is happening again below the earth. And so I thought, what if I do this? You know, again, it's that synesthesia where you're seeing color and which is kind of comes from mushrooms as well. Like if you're going to use some type of magic mushroom. And uh, so, yeah, so this is an abstraction of, of this, but it's, and I think of it more as a personal universe where it's the cylindrical shape and um, you can walk into it. And as you sing to it or drum to it or meditate, you know, with music, it progressively, your own universe progressively lights up around you. How much of it is sort of, is there any Alice in Wonderland psychedelic characteristics to the, to the work, not to the, not to a mushroom itself, but in the, in the representation, in the way that, that you see it, because I'm starting to, to get a certain vibe here that a lot of the things that you pick up on or the things that, that you're, that manifest themselves in your, in your work, very natural, but also somewhat uh, at a, at a higher level of representation. Hmm. Well, this um, this new series is actually, um, you know, the Oculus universe. It actually has a more playful feel to it. It's very colorful. And, um, you know, the both of the 
the sculptures have LED lights in it. And I visual, you know, I see the the first universe sculpture is just the white light and that purity of um, of that progressively lighting up. In this, the second sculpture, I see this as you know using the full LED capacity of of doing different colors. And um, my vision for this is that there would be a field of these and they're they're big they're again they're eight and a half feet wide by 16 feet tall and um i mean i can show you a visual of them on my on if we share the screen if you're curious no that's to, to be honest with you because this is an audio podcast okay. i i actually like the process of having it described i feel like i'm cheating if okay. i see it but others don't <laughs> Okay, well, it will be released soon. We're still working on, uh, well, I'm still working on finding the right fabricator, which I think I found. And, uh, you know, someone who can kind of think outside of the box because it's definitely a unique piece and very organic in shape. But uh, yeah, so we're, I'm hoping that it will be a field of these. And so there'll be like these columns of light that, you know, when it's dusk or when it's night, you just see these columns of color. Which I think is fantastic. And, and I'm, you know, it's, I, I think it's amazing what light can also do to the senses. One, one example is anyone who's been to Los Angeles can see the sculpture at LAX when, right. when you're, when you're driving up and you'll, you'll see the lights and the, the lights that change colors. And it's really interesting to me because as an Angelino, native Angelino, born and raised, I, I remember you know, seeing LAX when I was a kid and then in my teens and my twenties, never, the theme building is fantastic, but I never really saw it in the same way as the approach once the lighting was added to it. So I think it's really interesting too, because, you know, you, you based your, your art originally on photography, which has so much to do with light and sculpture oftentimes is, is sort of, subject to whatever light happens to be around it. But then when you add your own lighting source to it, it changes it dramatically. Right, right. And then, I mean, even with my regular photography-based art, the way that I work with color, there's um, so much depth to the piece, the pieces. You know, I think because of my background in architecture, I kind of understand that that push and the pull of lighter colors, you know, receding or darker colors um, receding or, you know, what is pulling forward, you know, with my composition, there is, um, there's a feeling of movement. And like I said before, like movement and rhythm to the piece. My, my original art, uh, there was another artist that said that there was musicality to it. And I thought I didn't quite understand it at that point, but now I kind of, now I kind of understand it, given that color is a vibration. <laughs> Right. I mean, that you're received by that's received by your eye. Right. So that being said, what if what have you learned um, through this process from and here's here's what's so interesting to me is, you know, from from architecture to photography to sculpture, I, I feel like like they're all so closely related, but they're all so different. And I'm curious what your journey has been through, you know, your learning process. Has my journey been? Wow, in what respect? Well, I, listen, I, I think that, and this is what I've noticed from every creator I've spoken to over the last eight years. 
people in general, creatives in particular, don't live in a vacuum. Every project you work on affects you one way or another, and it leads, it leads you into what's next. So as I'm, as I'm tracking your journey, your creative journey in particular, up until this point, I, I can kind of see this pathway. And so I'm curious where you go next, because each time you're, you seem to be adding different elements to it, which kind of change it all together, but, but it's still based and not to, not to get, you know, too matchy matchy here, but it still seems based on that whole string idea and the vibrations off the same string, changing, developing, morphing, but still working off the same basic palette. Well, the two sculptures look very different. They're not, they, I feel like there is a connection between how my art looks and that first sculpture. That second sculpture is, um, is definitely has a playfulness that, uh, you know, that you, I don't think that, I think my work is more about sensuality and energy and serenity and things like that, my, my first sculptures. And this one is a little bit more playful, but where do I go from here? Wow, I don't know if I've even thought that far ahead because these sculptures are, I mean, I just started thinking about them in the end of 2019 and um, coming up with this idea. And then here we are presenting it right now to developers and uh, campuses and corporations and things like that, hotels and, and, uh, so it's just you're you're talking to me at the inception of it almost. I still feel like I'm I still feel like I'm birthing this project. <laughs> Not that no, yet. I, I I I love that. And and in this context, we're we're also talking about you know education, business, and hospitality. I I'm curious if you think of this as with a residential application as well. Oh, absolutely! If there's someone who wants to put this in their beautiful backyard. <laughs> Done. <laughs> I will do it for him. <laughs> what color do you want? What was what, what was the installation? What was the installation process like for you? Okay, so uh, this project isn't is still in the concept stage. We are no, 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 no. The 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 first one. Sorry, universe. Oh, okay. Well, the same thing with universe. We just presented it in uh, in February. It's still in the concept stage. So, um, oh, so it, it doesn't yeah. actually, it doesn't actually, everything I've seen is an artist rendering. Right. It is an artist rendering. Interesting. You know, it's funny because some of, some of the, the renderings that I've seen renderings, um, they look, they look so real. Well, I did have a, uh, I did have a great renderer. His name was wow. uh, Jesus and Jesus did a good job. <laughs> That he is did. very cool. <laughs> so, yeah, so we wanted, you know, again, like my business background, I want to present something really well. So, and uh, because, I mean, part of being an artist and being able to be an artist is you have to sell your work. You can't just not sell and <laughs> then live, right? So, um, so Yes, yeah, so we are presenting it and we've had tremendous feedback. It has been just amazing. People are inspired. The different um, uh, you know, our consultants that we have been presenting to have um, they can immediate, immediately visualize it for different projects. And you know, it is a monumental sculpture. So finding that right, you know, finding the right combination where it just fits is, uh, but we have, we have some definite interest. So you should be seeing it soon. 
I mean, there is fabrication time, of course, and then closing, <laughs> closing everything. But yeah, it's, um, it's in progress. Yeah. That is remarkable. What's the material? Okay, so for the universe um, sculpture, the original one, it has a metal, you know, like a stainless steel frame, and then it has bohemian glass um, inserted over the frame, and LED lights are, you know, woven into the glass as well, into the frame. So it's basically what you're going to see mostly are the LED, the lighting of it, the glass, and then the reflective base. And then the second um, sculpture, the ocular sculpture, you know, because it's so tall and, uh, you know, it almost looks like something that you could climb. We're like, wow, we can't do this in glass. It won't be um, safe. And then, um, so I'm exploring a different fabricator who is uh, thinking about doing it in a polycarbonate or a um, fiberglass composite. And then that will give like the translucency process, you know, properties. And then um, the last person I talked to said that that would actually create the strength of the structure. And so when the lights, there would be, you would not see the frame within it, which I, is a really interesting idea. But so we're working, we're talking with him and uh, we'll see what, we'll see what happens. But yeah. So, and the base on that one would probably be below the earth because I want it to look as if it's again, the mushroom or the fruit of this mycelium network. In, in, a, in an abstraction, of course. I love that. I love that idea. I, last sort of concept I, wanna, I wanted to chat with you about is something that you had mentioned a couple minutes ago relating to the business side of it. So I think that that's so important, obviously, and it's so interesting that you touch on it in that concept when we're talking about renderings versus you know putting something out there. That too is a choice. Many artists would would get that one piece commissioned, get it installed, uh, however they had to pay for it, get it installed and use that actual piece to market others. This idea of being able to put it in a rendering that, I mean, clearly if, the intent wasn't to fool, but fooled me. I mean, I, I thought I thought it was, which is great. It means it was well done. But the the idea that the business side of it is so important, I, I'd like to know your thoughts on the business side of it and sort of how you approach this, because a couple of things that I've heard from you today, really interesting. You, you, you think about, I think you think about art more as an architect than an artist. And I find that really interesting because I've spoken to a lot of artists who are just 100% creative and it's just creative, got to get the creative out. But having that business sense, I think makes for greater longevity and greater potential to, to do more with, with the work itself. So I'm curious how you view that, that relationship between art and business. Well, I feel that I couldn't be an artist without approaching it as a sort of business as well. And, um, you know, and then I also, uh, my collaborations with people are, I think are really key, you know, whether it's Wendy, you know, again, Wendy or, or other art consultants that I work with, you know, a lot of the times when you are approaching these big projects, the developer doesn't want to speak to an artist. They, they imagine an artist with purple hair and is flighty and, uh, right, which, which is not me. <laughs> and uh, so um, having that so-called expert, you know, not that 
our consultants are not an expert. They are definitely an expert in their field. Uh, but, you know, they, I think it lends, you know, it lends something to the whole collaboration when you have that sort of representation. And then my fabricators, I choose those really carefully. Um, I want them to be artisans as well. And, uh, and right, there's, there's so much more to just being an artist than just the creation of the work. And then finding that balance where there is time for creation and not just, not just doing marketing and, but that whole process, I mean, even creating the video, I felt like I was a director. <laughs> I was like, we're flying through here. We're going around the corner. You know, I'd say um, it's, uh, it's also an artistic expression of it. But yeah, I don't think that you can be an artist without having, um, you know, also a business around it. I mean, you could, I don't, I don't know who, who's really successful, who doesn't have that. Yeah, there is a certain, you know, and, and also the sculpture being the, the scale of it. And, you know, I just knew from the very beginning, I needed representation on it that for me to go out and then these um our consultants they have the connections you know that i that i don't particularly have you know they know the architects they know the developers like that's their specialty and um yeah so i feel like my team is like one of the most important things for me and um, yeah, so I approach everything as a business. I can't help it. I need a business plan. I need to know how much it costs. I'm, I feel like I need to know all the pieces and how I'm going to accomplish it. So maybe, I, maybe I'm unique as an artist. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, well, I, I think it's certainly well thought out. And, and I think there is a uniqueness to that. And uh, you know, with that, this has been so great, Nicole. I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Nicole. Your work is thoughtful, powerful, and grand. It makes me think about not just what is, but what will be. At the same time, pondering what it could be, were the circumstances different. To me, that is the superpower of an artist and creator. To present something that is both well-defined and open to interpretation. Thank you, Walker Zanger, for presenting Confo by Design. Thank you, Thermosol, for your partnership. You are both remarkable partners and amazing allies for the trade. And thank you for listening. Remember why you do what you do, and that the business of design is all about making better the lives of those we serve. This is the final episode of 2021. We are closing it out with a bang, as they say. It has been quite a year. One of openings, closings, reopenings and one in which we, we all took stock in what we have and what we've missed, and importantly, what we want in the future. I mean, besides for our products to, to get delivered in a reasonable amount of time, <laughs> so we don't have to reselect, am I right? Next year, there are some big things coming from Convo by Design, like our first ever design house project, a unique project featuring some of the most creative designers in the country, and I am really excited to share this with you. But for now, take some time to pause, recharge, give yourself permission to hop off social media for a little while and chill with the family. Until next year, be well and take today first. Mm-hmm.